Back in just a moment, this is Atlanta Chiefs soccer. soccer. Penalty area. Let's see. There's an argument going on. Goalkeeper cannot move until that ball is kicked. Here it comes. Hey y'all, this is Alex. I just wanted to let you know that this one is going to be a little bit weird because I am actually in St. Simons right now. So Ethan's going to start off the show on his own and then you'll see about five minutes in, my call finally gets patched through. Uh, Hopefully you enjoy the episode and vamos Atlanta United. Quick, while we're waiting on Alex, go ahead and run through the uh, Toronto game that we played this last, or actually this week. Um, so it was really a tale of two halves to a certain extent. Um, we were one Giovinco goal away from a number two seed in the playoffs, which would have been a sweet proposition for the five stripes. But nonetheless, um, it was like two heavyweights just bobbing and weaving for the first half, sinking up their jabs, waiting to find that that final right hook to put the other team away. Um, that being said, there were a few chances in the first half. Uh, again, we see the the um, the recovery of of Mr. Guzan's career in a sense, making plays, definitely making his presence felt on the field. Um, First goal of the game, an interesting one coming from Yamil Assad off of a 30th minute handball. Originally, they believed, um, well, actually, I don't really know what, what they thought it was. It was kind of a mix of, of propositions. Originally, thought Yamil Assad was the one with the handball, um, and then they came in, did a little instant replay action, and figured that it was actually the d- defender with the handball. Um, that being said, as I said in my tweet the other day, Good night, moon, and a glass of warm milk. Yamil Assad tucks the the PK away like a caring father would. Um, Second half started a lot of the same of the first half, kind of just this this subtle possession, passing it back and forth amongst themselves, kind of waiting to to find an opportunity. And finally, that opportunity came late in the second half with a Josie Altador chip shot over uh, Mr. Guzan, which was a little bit disappointing. Um that he can't produce those kind of goals for the national team, as I always like to say, um, which was interesting. Speaking of that, Michael Bradley was hearing his fair share of of boos and 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 chants. And I think I think I'm being told that Mr. Alex Bragan is ready to be brought on. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna try and bring him on air here. Hopefully, this will uh, this will work out. But Alex, can you hear us, man? Do we have <laughs> Alex? Alex, can you hear us? Anything over there on that end? No, I'm not, I'm not hearing anything. All right. I will try and grab Alex once again. Hopefully this works out. For, sorry to butt in there. No, you're good. Um, Yeah, you know, maybe he should show a little bit more interest in what we're doing over here. Terrible. But, hey, I mean, I guess he's going to support the dogs, so. Yeah, I can't be completely mad at him, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nonetheless, um... So, where was I? Josie Altador, chip shot over uh, Guzan. A little disappointing. Wish he could do it for the national team. Never does. I'll save that for later. Anyways, um, Joseph Martinez answers that goal in the 73rd minute with a delicious flicked-in ball into the bottom left corner off of a lasered in Tito Villalba cross. Um, well played Atlanta United on that one. 
excellent build-up play, knocking it around for a bit. It was actually Miguel Almiron who found Tito Villalba wide, put the ball good bit of it, good bit in front of him, allowing him to run on, find the space, and whip that ball in for a wonderful Yosef Martinez goal. And finally, we get to the Giovinco free kick, which was one of the best I've seen this season by far. Um, only one I can consider relatively close, and I'm a bit biased. Maybe that Kratz free kick, but off the post and in from Giovinco does not get much better than that. Alrighty, moving on. Playoff expectations for the Atlanta United versus the Columbus Crew. That'll be today at 7 p.m. Uh, a lot of the same coming from both these teams. Very high press sides. Both are very big in the attack, like to move the ball around, high press. Moving the ball around the back, which is also a weakness for both of the teams. They, you can see them get exposed on the counterattacks often, their defense getting caught too high up. Anyways, looking, looking at it from Atlanta United's point of view, in a recent article posted um, by the Atlanta J Journal-Constitution from our boy uh, Doug Robertson, um, was interviewing the players and coaches, Tata included, about what their expectations was were for the season overall and that if they didn't make the playoffs, um, was it still going to be viewed as a successful season? And going off that, if they didn't go far in the playoffs, was it still going to be a successful season? And I believe that the general consensus in the locker room is that it's not. And and I love to see that hunger. You know, they, they've they've set themselves up for something great this season. It's been an, a very successful inaugural season. They're doing great things for the city of Atlanta. And you would definitely like to see them make a deep run in the playoffs. That being said, it would be very Atlanta-like for them to come in with these high expectations and then completely poop the bed, to say it kindly. Um, but we will see. We will see. Like I said... Um, both teams are very high pressed. In the last two meetings, we had Atlanta taking the wins in both. Uh, first one was a 2-0 victory, and then a 3-1 victory going to Atlanta United. Atlanta United's way. Um, I'm sure you're all aware of the the attacking prowess that Atlanta United has with Tito Vialba, Miguel Almiron, Emil Assad, so on. Goes on a laundry list of South American talent. That is going to be a huge factor coming into this game that they they make sure to continue their form and put those goals in the back of the net. That being said, Brad Guzon, I believe, is also going to play a very important role in this match as he has been a very important part of this defense, cleaning things up, keeping things organized. Very important piece, especially with a high-press defense like we have. Um, that being said, I found an interesting article where it was comparing uh, Brad Guzon's production for Middlesbrough last year um, and comparing it to Atlanta United and his production with the team this year. Unfortunately, I do not have those stats because my computer is being a little bit funky right now. But to say the least, they were very impressive. His production has increased exponentially. It's not even close. So a little bit of a revival of Brad Guzon's career. Hopefully he can carry that form throughout the playoffs. Um, looking at the Columbus Crew side, interesting side for sure. A lot of a lot of drama surrounding this team right now as they're looking to relocate, possibly kind of plan for their lives right now. 
Um, they're a number five seed coming in at 16, 12, and six. So not a terrible record. Um, definitely a side that is not to be trifled with. They can compete. Uh, guys like Fredro, Frederico Higuain, the Argentine, nine goals, nine assists on, on the season. Also just been offered a new contract, so he's getting paid. He's very happy and definitely sees Columbus as his permanent home for now. Um, but he's going to be pulling the strings for that Columbus side in the midfield. Justin Moram, 13 goals, 5 assists. Another very effective player for that Columbus crew offense. So be wary of him putting in goals, making things happen. And finally, Ola Komara, 18 goals, 3 assists. Now, he's not a as prolific a scorer, and obviously you could argue against that with his 18 goals this season, yet he is more of a post-up player, um, very good with his back to the goal, turning, putting shots in the net, making things happen. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether or not this distraction um, with the team relocating and whatnot is going, how, how heavily it's going to affect this Columbus crew side. Uh, we will certainly see in the coming match. Um, what is, Hello. oh, are we, are we in? Maybe through. Oh, am I on? You yes, sure you are. are. Oh, all right. How's everyone doing today? <laughs> Everyone's doing very good. Your presence is dearly missed, Alex. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm well, butchering you know, I've it. Got a, I've got a view right now that would make a number of times. I'm not, I'm not too, uh, biffed about it. All right. So, so to kind of just bring you, uh, back yeah, into where, to where we were at, I kind of just ran through. Toronto versus United real quick, um, but I actually just finished up the analysis for for the playoff matchup, and I was just wondering, what are your thoughts are as far as the off-the-field issues for the Columbus crew? How do you think that's going to play in for them as a distraction of sorts, or do you think that it could maybe play mm -hmm. to their advantage, that they'd be well, hungrier to win? That's a great question, actually, and I, I mentioned it in the blog article. You can go check that out at the new website, peachsoccer.com, real quick, if anyone's interested. But it's it's very hard to say what that front office disarray is going to do to the players. And we sort of mentioned that last episode, right? You know, yeah. you, you didn't think that it would do anything. I couldn't tell if it would really affect the, the guys, because I mean, they're going to have jobs no matter where they're playing. But the fans are certainly going to be emotional. They're going to be invested in this game because it's a chance for them to prove that they deserve to be in Columbus and that the crew can be profitable there. So I would expect any sort of traveling supporters to be rowdy. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of you know, emotional sentiment going towards the crew on social media and all that. But um, really tough. I, I don't exactly know if it's going to have a huge impact, but it'll be a factor. Yeah, absolutely. Anything outside of the locker room will certainly have a factor to the guys with a weaker mentality um, for putting that stuff out of their head. But that being said, what are your just overall thoughts on the game? I kind of gave mine, talked about how the crew and, and United are both relatively similar sides as far as play mm -hmm. style is concerned, both very high-press teams um, playing out of the back a lot. So what, do you, what are you seeing from, from both these teams, and what are your expectations for them? Well, it's, I think it's going to be an exciting match. I think it's going to be a shootout. It's kind of like when you get two people together 
they both have the same horoscope or whatever. They're not supposed to work. <laughs> you know, they're just going to get angry at each other. I think we're going to see two very high-pressing, high-flying offenses clash, and that's going to manifest itself in one of two ways. It's either going to be a complete goal fest, you know, a 4-3, a 3-2, uh, a 5-4 a sort of scoreline, or we're just going to cancel each other out, and it's going to come down to one decisive moment. One team is going to have to really pull something out of their hat and and get the goal, and that's what the that's what Toronto did against us. You know, on, on, we were one world class Sebastian Javinko free kick away from you know, geese running the Kings. Right. Um, I don't know. What do you, What do you think? I mean, I that that is a f- very fair point, but looking at that Columbus Crew side, I don't think that they have anyone like a Sebastian Giovinco that can that can make that 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 world class. Well, yeah, I mean no, no one else in MLS has a Sebastian Giovinco cuz he he's his own beast, you know, he's Sebastian Giovinco. But I Ola Kamara is not someone to be written off. Oh, absolutely not, without a doubt. And I already hit on that. Higuaín as well, midfielder Justin Miram. Yeah. They're definitely a talented outfit with without a doubt. Um mm-hmm. but for me, I see Atlanta United really putting their nose to the grindstone. I think that they're all hungry to win this one. For the city of Atlanta, They, we've done so much for them as them for us, but I really think that they're just going to bring this one home. I am going to go ahead and say this one's going to be 4-1 Atlanta United. And a bold prediction. So. Yes, bold prediction for sure, but looking at the last... Last night's matches, a uh, uh, heavily weighted scoreline towards one team is not not really out of the ordinary. New York Red Bulls beating the Chicago Fire 4-0, and the Vancouver yeah. Whitecaps beating the San Jose Earthquakes 5-0. So you have any any comments on that, those, those brutal beatdowns? Yeah, well, I had a chance to catch both games last night, actually, and I tweeted out, at the beginning of the Vancouver San Jose game, I was like, "Wow, this one, this one's so much more interesting than Chicago Fire." Because, I mean, that was that was a one-sided game from the get-go. Two goals in the first eleven minutes. Right. I mean, the, the Chicago Chicago was on the back foot from the start, and they never recovered. And then there were two late goals that were just the nails in the coffin, uh, as it were. And the Vancouver San Jose game started totally different. It was it was even since Jose actually at the beginning had the lion's share of the chances and looked like they were rearing to pounce. And all of a sudden, you know, Freddie Montero gets a really well-taken header. That was sort of a cool goal to watch, actually. Um, it comes in off, I cannot remember his name, um, off of a corner, one dude heads it, and Montero just kind of back post puts it in. And after that, they were off to the races, put in four, or five, I'm sorry, and it was really no contest, no contendere. <laughs> certainly, certainly. And I've said this before, but if you, Atlanta United needs to get into to a shootout, I am a hundred percent comfortable on that side to put goals in the back of the net without a doubt. Um, but but moving on, let's let's be a, a bit presumptuous. Let's say we do grab the win this evening. What are what, what what's the weather looking like in New York? Uh, if we have to face New York City FC mm. in the second round, <clears throat> great question. Because they they actually just played the crew and drew them two two. 
I was not expecting, honestly, the crew to be able to compete with New York. But, I mean, this is... We, we've played New York twice, right? And, um, I, wow, what, what were our results, actually? I'm trying to... I can take a peek real quick. Call that off the top of my head. I want to say it was one win, one draw. Am I, am I incorrect? I, I, hold on one different? second. I, I got you. Give me one second. Um, but it, it's... I, I Wow. You got me tongue-tied and twisted. Because it was... New York City is such a... I, they're such a hot or cold team. You know, and they've got they've got guys like Jack Harrison, David Villa, of course, who are some of the league's best. But at times their defense has been lackluster, and I know that this is an intangible that is probably somewhat problematic to talk about as being a factor. But you know, playing in Yankee Stadium or City Field is always introduces some sort of X factor into the game that you know really shakes things up. So playing them at home, I'm very confident. Playing them in New York, I'm not quite sure. It's a much smaller pitch. It's that that uh, it's, it's something that we're not used to. That is very true. Um, and the results that you were talking about: first game they played May seventh, New York City FC grabbed the win over United three to one. Okay. Um, and then May twenty or I'm sorry, May twenty eighth, they played again. United grabbed the victory 3-1. So very similar to okay, what you so just said. Yeah, right. And in similar fashion, their defense seems to be having some mistakes every once in a while. Offense can pick up, make up for it. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. they are playing a two-game playoff um in the the I forget what the what they call the second round. Anyways. Yeah, semis. Anyways, they play a two-game playoff off aggregate. And I believe one game is played in New York, and then the other one is going to be played in Atlanta. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I think when we have when we're at home, I'm fairly confident we can you know fend off any New York attacks. And again, when when we're crushed and minimized minimized in Yankee Stadium, you know, and I mean, do not count out the overwhelming stench of hot dogs at Yankee <laughs> as um, you know in New York. It's just it's something that. These are factors that have to be considered by Tata Martino. Without a doubt, without a doubt. But if it is, if it is coming off of aggregate, if if the results are based off of the aggregate, I'm very confident that Atlanta United will be able to score more goals at home and bring that goal differential up just in case they were to maybe drop a, drop a few goals in New York or something were to happen. Like I said, and I will continue to say, this Atlanta United team can score goals, and if it comes down to a shootout, I believe in their offensive production. And as of late, I believe in their defense as well. Guzan has been playing out of his mind, and I said earlier they compared his production in Middlesbrough to his production in Atlanta United this year, and his production at Middlesbrough was last year, and it was... It was abysmal compared to what he's doing in Atlanta United. Granted, he's playing in the MLS, not the Premier League, but it's yeah, got to give really a guy nice a little bit of confidence. Really nice and that back, our back line too is is like is in probably their best form of the season. I have to say, other than the fact that Michael Parkhurst is a game time decision today, um, and I don't know if you already mentioned that. Hopefully, he'll be definitely back when we. I don't want to be too overconfident, but move on to the conference semis. Uh, that's how things go today. Yeah, the, the defense should not be 
any real concern. I know at the beginning of the season that was sort of our Achilles heel, but nowadays it's it's they're playing they're playing very solidly without a doubt. And asking it saying it to Atlanta United, you know, an aggregate matchup that's like daring an alcoholic to go shot for shot. You know, it's oh. like saying how. How many shots can you take? It's like, oh, really? Well, we have a plus thirty goal differential. So yeah, there, there's you know, my analogy. That that no, I a hundred percent agree, and that's that's essentially what I said. You just said it a bit better than I did, Alex. But <laughs> a- anyways, they that's what I said. They're going to put in goals, and the way their defense is is playing, they're not going to let in that many goals. LGP considered one of the best center backs in the league. Um, when he's healthy, he's going to be a great addition to that defensive side. And then you have Jeff Lorenowitz and Carlos Carmona, who do not give get near enough credit holding down that midfield, kind of just recycling everything in front of that back line, making that back four's job that much easier, rarely making yeah, mistakes in the midfield. Heroes. Say that one more time. They're, they're definitely the unsung heroes. Oh, without a doubt. And Lorenowitz has the flexibility to drop into that center back position if need be. Um, Carmona rarely giving the ball away, recycling, cleaning things up, making things happen. Um, kind of to move on from the MLS playoff picture, I ran across an interesting article per okay. the Atlanta United Facebook group. Now, I want your opinion on this because there there are a lot of different sides you can take from it. But Barcelona has announced that they are going to be building a world-class academy in New York. And that is going to be situated right in the tri-state area in the juncture between the states of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Um, They've already said that there's over 184 children under the age of 14 and a secondary market of more than 2.5 million children playing in the tri-state area. So, Alex, that being said, do you see this as beneficial to U.S. soccer? Do you see it as... Wow. And um, you said U.S. soccer is building this? No, no, no. FC Barcelona. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, FC Barcelona is actually going to be putting a youth, essentially a youth academy, a Barca youth academy, in the tri-state area of New York. Um so do you do you that's feel like really that's that's wow. like kind of an overseas takeover? Like they're coming over, taking our talent, or do you think it's going to be good for the U.S.? What's your What's your take on it? Mm. Well, my initial take is that it's going to be beneficial in grooming young talent. So from a men's national team perspective, uh, yeah, I have no problem with that at all. From an MLS standpoint. This is a this is probably not great because suddenly you have the best young Americans going over to Europe and a lot of MLS's whole you know, shtick is that they want to uh, coddle the development of young American players and then and then keep them in MLS. Certainly. That but... being said, you know you, you, we kind of got to take what we can get, and I, I'm hoping that by the time these cycles of youth players that might be going to this academy would be graduating and, and moving on to bigger teams. Hopefully MLS will have reached a point of attractiveness where simply by virtue of being at a Barcelona academy, these players aren't going to want to jet off to Europe. But 
I don't know. What, what's your take on this? Well, I, have a, I have a similar take on it. And as far as U- U.S. national team is concerned, I think that it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be an attractive option for some of the best United States talent to go and get some of the best yeah. training in the world. And Barcelona football, in its purest sense, I, is 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 just beautiful football and being able exactly. to to grow those players nurture them from age five to age whatever 20 until they're playing professionally uh-huh. somewhere i think is absolutely wonderful but what you said about the mls competition i think it's great i think it's great if and only if the mls wakes up and says wow our youth academies are going to get chewed up and spit out by FC Barcelona if we don't do something to make our clubs more attractive. So if anything, 100%. I think it's it's just another wake-up call for these MLS teams to really reevaluate themselves and say, hey, are we doing everything we can to produce youth talent that is on par with, with other international clubs? And I, I think the end goal is to be the best and and being able to beat and compete with Barcelona Youth Academies, I think that's that's a pretty powerful statement to make for the rest of international soccer. I I'd have to agree. Although I will say I think Barcelona realizes the vast amount of untapped talent in the US and thus they're trying to kind of get their little piece of the pie. Interestingly enough, I, I always um, whenever I hear about Barcelona youth, I always think back to Ben Letterman who is a little-known, I mean, if you're really deep into the U.S. soccer uh, development system, little-known guy who signed for Barcelona when he was 11, been playing at La Magia, and uh, recently re-signed a deal with this uh, club's juvenile B team after going through a bit of controversy because I guess you're technically not allowed to sign a player, a youth player, like that to be 16, outside I believe. without a visa under 18 or something. Yeah. Somewhat problematic, though, is that he just got a Polish visa in order to keep playing uh, with the Barcelona youth side. So hopefully the Poles can't persuade him as far as the national team is concerned. Right. That'll be interesting to see. Certainly a 100%. Uh, an enticing prospect. Well, is that going to do it for that, us? That is going to do it for us. Thank you for, for calling in and, and having time to talk to us this morning. I definitely 100%. needed the help. I was I was butchering Ethan, things. Will you, will you be joining me down in St. Simons this weekend? Oh, I'm sorry to break the bad news to you, but I actually just flipped the switch and decided not to go. But hey, oh, get on. get it done That's without me. <laughs> All right. Then, well, go dogs and. Uh... Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Peach and Pitch. Check out the game tonight. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much. I'm Ethan Montague-Udo. I'm Alex Reagan, all the way from Tennessee, Thomas. All right. Thank you guys very much. Have a great rest of your day.